0: This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we'll show you how to go from employee truck driver to savvy business owner. And we'll do it together because we're starting our own trucking company, Holland Assets. So you'll get a front row seat through the whole process. Together with some experts in the field, we'll teach you how to set up a business, buy a truck, get your DOT and MC numbers, get insurance, and a lot more. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back, everybody, to Holland Assets, the podcast. I am Craig. Welcome back, Chris. Good to be here. Chris, uh, I'm I'm excited for this one, partly because this harkens back, if you recall, all the way back in episode two. Do you remember when we, we talked about business entities and taxes and all that stuff? And we talked about how foundational it all was. And this, I feel like this is kind of another piece like that. Today, we're talking about insurance. And you were telling me earlier that... That This is one of the biggest stumbling blocks you see for somebody starting a trucking company. I wanted you to expound on that a little bit more because, frankly, we've talked about a lot of things already, like buying a truck, for instance, getting DOT numbers. These seem like big stumbling blocks, but you were saying this is one of the biggest that you see yeah, for somebody of, starting out. It
1: doesn't really make sense, you know, because a lot of those other things are, are big. You think about it, but they're relatively easy and there typically aren't too many complications with them insurance is a completely different situation. There are really two reasons that make this such a big stumbling block for guys and such a challenge that they have to come over to to get their trucking company going, their authority active. And it, it really is the biggest reason that guys who have applied for their authority aren't able to get it active is because they have a problem with insurance. And one of two things typically happens. First, they either can't get it because they don't qualify. So you you take for example, you know if you've got a really young kid that doesn't have uh any driving experience, they're not going to be able to get insurance for their own trucking company. Um and and when we talk with Matt where he's going to elaborate a little bit on that and kind of give some reasons why that is. The second reason, and really the biggest reason that this is such a stumbling block for people is because insurance is expensive and you have to come up with a down payment. And usually that down payment's about 25% of the total policy and guys just, they don't plan for that and they don't have the money that they need to make that initial down payment.
0: Yeah. You're talking at 25% of the annual,
1: the annual premium. Yeah. Yep.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to talk numbers, I think a little bit later, but for now we're going to dive into a conversation that you had with Matt. Uh, Matt is the owner of a, an insurance brokerage. And so he's been through all this, uh, as many times as you have, I imagine.
1: Way more than I have. And he's really good at it. He's one of the best insurance agents I've ever worked with.
0: Fantastic. Well, with that endorsement, I think we should dive right in.
1: I'm here today with, uh, Matt with Wasatch Truck Insurance. Matt and I have actually worked together in a previous life. Uh, I, I've got a little bit of a background in truck insurance. I haven't been doing that for, for quite some time, but Matt and I worked together for a while and Matt, uh, Decided to start his own agency, what, how many years ago now? We just hit our three year mark. Yeah, that's awesome. Three years so. ago. And so Matt and I have always had a really good relationship uh, working together. He's one of the best, most thorough uh, insurance agents I've ever worked with and a uh, great guy. And so, perfect person to sit down with and really start to talk insurance. So what we're going to kind of do today is walk through the process kind of like we have in some of the other podcasts of kind of what that initial phone call is. So we're going to just go, hey, this is Chris with uh, Holland Assets, calling in Matt Verg and I want to quote. So Matt, let's just kind of start with that and go down the process.
2: Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. Good. So one of the first things we want to do whenever we get a call from anyone is to see what their experience is in the industry. Did you just come right out of plumbing? You know, have you been trucking? Were you leased on to another carrier? And so we'll always ask, hey, what have you been doing? Um, so in, in your instance, you've been So in my
1: situation, I, I haven't been driving a truck. You know, I've been in the trucking industry for quite a while, but um, just got my CDL. So correct. that's a bad thing, right? That's kind of makes, limits my options. It as makes as things it much
2: up. more difficult. You're absolutely right. Because most carriers will require a minimum of two years over the road CDL experience. Now, that makes it unique because in Utah, you can get a CDL at 18 and drive intrastate. Those years don't count. So it's two years from the point you turn 21 driving in the United States. If you have a CDL from Mexico or from Europe or from any other country outside of Canada the United States, those uh, work history experience years do not count. So that's always something to keep in mind. So in this case, having zero years of experience... That's not a problem. We still have a carrier where we have, there's just very few carriers that'll accept a brand new driver with no years of experience.
1: So let, let me ask you a question here. So what about if a guy, let's say he got his CDL five years ago, but he hasn't been actually using it. Um, how how do you prove or how do you
2: show that you have or you have not been actually using your CDL? So that's- or do they care? It, they do care, it's on a case by case basis. What we're seeing now with drivers and lapsed CDLs, um, it could be for a medical reason. You know, the, the medical requirements have gotten a lot stricter recently. You could have a knee surgery, a back surgery, or be put on high blood pressure medication and lose your CDL for a year. Um, a lot of carriers don't want to give you that experience if the lapse has been too long. Each one of them are different, um, and, and it's because the technology has changed. You might have driven 10 years ago, but the equipment, the rules, the laws, e-logs, that's all changed, you know, and it's all updated. So it's on a case-by-case basis. The best thing to do is just to be as honest as possible and tell us, hey, I had my CDL for about 15 years. I've had a five-year gap. I went into another industry. I'm getting back into, into trucking. And then as an agent, I'll represent that adequately or properly to the insurance carriers, and then they can decide per their individual underwriting guidelines. If it's a year, that's really not too big of a deal. Uh, so the first thing that I'll do, and one of the most critical things for anyone getting a quote, is to make sure that you've already applied. Make sure you've already applied for your DOT number and or your MC number. Um, if you're calling to get a quote from any other agent, it's a best guess. It's really not an accurate quote. And most carriers won't quote it. They're just not in the business of practice quoting. So taking that first step of getting your authority um, is kind of like getting your toes in the water. You know, you're not all the way in. You're not committed. But you've at least shown some interest. They sh- you show you're serious. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So that you're not wasting my time you know, or wasting the underwriter's time. Because when it comes to quoting, it's also about presentation. And what I mean by that is when I gather all your information. I'm going to get as much information as possible to send that to my underwriter. I want to answer every question that she may or may not have. Um, and in that process, if she has to come back and ask me more questions, then that delays the quoting process, aggravates, frustrates them. They've got a heavy workload, so I want to make it as easy as possible.
1: And that's one of the reasons we really stress with you know our clients that it's important that you work with an agent that specializes in truck insurance, not just regular commercial insurance. Because it's a, it's a completely different ball game. And you want somebody that's going to be thorough, that's going to get all that information, get you the right coverage,
2: and and do it quickly and efficiently. Correct. And, and on that note, um, when guys apply for their authority, they will be bombarded by everybody selling them everything. And so talk to your friends. Typically, almost everybody has someone in the trucking industry if they're going to get into the trucking industry. Find out who their agent is. Um, Don't just take any of these phone calls that come in over the phone. It's a telemarketer. They're college kids. Sometimes they're not even in the United States. It's just a prospecting service that gives leads to agents. All of your information becomes public the moment that you post or you apply for your authority. And then as agents, we can all buy those lists to see who applied for their authority. We can see... A lot of your information, your MC, your DOT number, your address, your email address, phone numbers, fax numbers, uh, what type of authority you have, and the type of commodities. And a lot of agents will kind of play that up, like, oh, we already know you, or you were referred to me, when in actuality, it's just off a list that they've purchased, and they're just going down that list, calling multiple people. The problem with that is that because truck insurance premiums are high, um, you get a lot of agents that aren't trucking specialists but are attracted by those high premiums that want to sell your policy because all they're worried about is getting that premium. They're not interested in actually helping you to succeed. And that's where we like to differentiate ourselves from everyone else because if I write you for one year, that does mean no good. It's turn and burn. You're in and out the door. I want to write you till you retire or I retire. And we're both pretty young, so we're going to be working (laughs) for a while. Um, and, And you do that by... It's a long-term approach. You do that with a lot of your companies as well, too. You're not just interested in getting their authority. You're interested in getting their authority and then helping them pass their DOT audit, helping them be know everything they need to know. Because when you're a driver, you could be leased on in this industry to another trucking company, and you could do it for 10, 15-plus years. It is a completely different ballgame once you own your own truck, and now you're having to do all the paperwork. Yeah. So- Good. There's a lot of different things going in that. The first thing that we'll do, though, is we'll pull up what's called your l page, or licensing insurance from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. And on that, it'll have your name, your address, phone number, it'll have your email on there, and the type of authority that you've applied for. Our insurance policy has to match that exactly. Word for word, space for space, period for period. So if anything is incorrect there, it's got to be corrected before we put your policy in place because your filings have to match perfectly. So we'll go through, and we'll verify the name, verify the address, verify your email address, uh, and your phone number, and then uh, move on to your equipment. Uh, We'll ask you, what's the year and make of your truck?
1: Okay, so uh, I've I've started shopping. I haven't actually purchased a truck at this point. But I'm pretty sure I know about what I'm going to get. So I'll tell you that, and we can use that for kind of quoting purposes. So right now, for instance, I'm looking at a, um, 2017 Freightliner is one of the, one of the vehicles
2: that, that I like Cascadia. Perfect. And you haven't bought this truck, but you know about what type of a price range you're going to purchase it for. What's your max number you're going to spend?
1: Um, on the truck itself. So let let me ask you this. So for instance, I, I, this particular truck, you know, the truck itself is going to be probably around 68,000, but I'm going to, I plan on putting probably another 10 to 12,000 into it with an APU. So can I, can I include that APU cost or should I include that APU cost into the total cost? Absolutely. So if that's the case, I would say let's, let's go for about,
2: I think I'd go maybe as high as 90,000. Okay. All right. And the reason why we want the highest number is we can change this quote. Um, First and foremost, uh, you never want to over-insure your equipment, but you don't want to under-insure your equipment. Most carriers will go out there and they'll say, okay, 2017 Freightliner, X amount of miles, similar characteristics, we can, pay it, we can buy it for $90,000. That's what they would pay you if your vehicle is listed for $90,000. Now, let's say you, you valued it at $80,000. However, it's worth $90,000. They're only going to pay you $80,000. Or if you insured it for $100,000, you over-insured it. And it, they can go out on the street and buy it for ninety thousand dollars. They're only going to pay you ninety thousand dollars. What they could buy it if they had to buy similar miles, similar characteristics. Okay. Back to your unit specifically, many of the carriers will give you a better rate if you have a VIN number, Uh, and it's just something with their rating programs. Some of them care, some of them don't care. But again, going to presentation, when I'm sending this to my underwriter, I want to give them as much information as possible. I don't want them to doubt anything at all. So and I've got the VIN number for that
1: that this particular truck so Perfect. we can give that to you get the quote and when we actually bind
2: the coverage and I purchase the insurance we can change that if that changes right Absolutely absolutely Before we bind the coverage basically what we'll do is we'll have your salesman just email us over the bill of lading or what the insurance requirements are they're not going to let you take that truck off the lot till your insurance is in place Okay And so they'll typically provide us with the bill of sale and sometimes there might be some a difference with that that uh dollar amount it might be more it might be less we'll come back to you and say okay hey look are you putting a down payment down what dollar amount do you do you need or do you want um permanently attached equipment like an apu while it can be taken out and put into another unit that is classified as permanently attached equipment you do include that in the value of of your truck okay so any improvements you do regardless of when you're just binding your policy or your policy is already in place always keep that information Save those receipts. If, you're, if you have a major claim, a truck fire, or anything else like that, you want to prove the value of your truck.
1: Even if I trick it out with a ton of chrome? Even you if you tricked it
2: out, right. save, those, save <laughs> those mechanic receipts or all save right. those uh, auto body machines, because it makes a big difference. I might, I might
1: get some of my $10,000 in chrome that I put on You the might. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you, you absolutely might. Um, any other tractors we need to add onto the policy? No. OK. What about trailers? Not yet. I'm going to eventually, you know, I I plan on buying a reefer,
1: but, uh, you know, that may take, actually, yeah, I mean, we probably should quote it that way, right? Because by the time I actually plan on getting on the road and and going, I'm going to have a reefer.
2: So what we can do for trailers, and trailer, not having a VIN number isn't as important as the tractor. Um, But for a trailer, if you have not bought a trailer, what we'll typically quote is a non-owned trailer, and then is it going to be a reefer, drive-in, flatbed, step-deck, so plan on a reefer. A that's reefer, OK. Yep. And how much do you want to spend on it?
1: I, I think I'm going to spend at most $20,000. okay
2: So what we'll do for quoting purposes only, and this gets us really close to that figure, is we'll just quote a non-owned trailer at $20,000. Okay. So basically what that means is if you're waiting to get your trailer approved, but you've got a buddy's trailer that you can borrow until that happens, or you're renting a trailer, you're covered to haul anyone's trailer that's valued up to $20,000. dollars now, the key is in the actual word itself. It's non owned, meaning that you do not own it. So, if you purchase a trailer or if you have an extra trailer and you're using that, thinking that this non owned trailer is is covering that trailer, it's not going to. Huh? It absolutely won't. And that that hurts a lot of clients. Um, I wouldn't have thought a, of that. Yeah, but that makes sense now that you mention it. Correct. Yeah. So, all right. Any other trailers we need to add? Nope, not okay. for now. Perfect. Um, and I see you applied for common authority. What states are you planning on running to? Everywhere. 48, okay. the lower 48. All 48. Yep. Perfect. And, and the way the radius works, to be quite honest with you, most carriers have like a 100, 300, and five mi- a 500-mile radius. Anything over 500 miles, and these are air miles or nautical miles, so a straight line on a map, anything over 500 miles is considered unlimited radius. Now the reason that we ask is that we do have some regional carriers if you're only traveling in the 11 western states we're located in Utah we could we could apply for that that carrier um but all 48 unlimited miles no problem um what type of commodities are you going to haul um
1: th- that's a good question yeah you know obviously I'm going to work a lot through brokers so I I don't really know so much Sure. So- I, I would say general freight. Um, if you want to get more specific, you know reefer type stuff. So produce potentially, I, th- I think really good um, possibility to be produce type stuff, canned goods, um, uh, paper products. Um, what other specific things do you usually see on the reefer side
2: of? So it's a the difficult house? question, and that's one of the reasons that we ask, quite honestly, because on these insurance applications, it's impossible to list every commodity that you may or may not haul. And it's actually a common mistake that a lot of truckers do when they set up their authority is on their MCS-150, when it shows commodities that you're going to haul, there's a tendency for every trucker to check every commodity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I could do a, you know, a, a haul autos. I could tow a truck away. I could haul produce or utilities or building materials. And what that does, it actually causes a lot of confusion for the underwriters, you know, you want to treat them like the IRS. You only want to give them <laughs> what they ask for, and you don't want to give them too much. <laughs> more, right. That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, and so if you, if you uh, click general freight or building materials or produce if you're a reefer or uh, something like that, those are totally fine. That doesn't mean you can't haul some of those other things, but what we're trying to do is present your account like you have your identity. You know what your lane's going to be. I'm hauling produce and dry goods. You know, I'll be haul, I could haul frozen meat. I could haul seafood, um, which are both two very high-rated commodities, um, fresh produce, canned paper, dry goods, medical supplies, paper products. Uh, it just depends. Building materials is kind of like a catch-all, because almost anything can be considered building materials. And when you have a reefer, which is no different than a dry van, just with a, a unit on it, you can pretty much haul any of those items. Um But if you know, if you've got a contract specifically that you're working on, you know, that's hauling medical supplies, you'll want to detail that out to the agent, because some carriers might not like that. The name of the game is to get your company profile, get it down, and then match it to the insurance carrier's profile that's going to generate you the best rate. Every one of them are looking for something specific. Some of them care more about the driver's age, or they like flatbed operations or reefer operations. And so... We're trying to marry you, your profile with the insurance company's profile, and that gives you the best coverage with the best rate. And price absolutely matters, but the key here is, is actually the coverage. Coverage is always more important than price, but it's got to make sense, too. Um, so that's good. We're good on commodities. Now, any accidents or claims in the last three years? Me? No. Yes. Okay. And and, and for someone just getting into the industry, that's a pretty you know easy question, but- what does count on your driving record is your personal driving record. So you're a CDL driver, you're a professional driver. Now they hold you to a higher standard. So if you've got a speeding ticket or an accident um, on your personal record, that does carry over and you are held to a higher standard. Even though, Hey, I just got my CDL two months ago. My accident was a year ago. It still counts.
1: Okay. So let me ask you this. So my, my wife, um, she may kill me for saying this. So she got in a little fender bender about a year ago. Okay. So obviously we have a joint policy. Um, there is a small claim on that. Is that something I need to talk about?
2: So with 99% of the carriers, no. With one of the carriers, yes. And and it's because their underwriting criteria is is different. Um, and they, they pull a different report. They pull what's called the clue report. Um, and... Clue is like the little black book for personal insurance companies. If you ever have a claim, um, it gets reported to Clue, this entity. And each one of them—State uh, Farm, Allstate, Farm Bureau, Progressive—they all uh, subscribe to Clue, um, and so they'll pull that report. Now, in one of these carriers' underwriting criteria, they pull that Clue report, and that could affect your rate.
1: Okay,
2: um, doesn't mean it necessarily will. It shouldn't, but that's just this insurance it's, it's company's always, cup of tea.
1: It's always good to be honest, right? And, A- absolutely. And say that rather right. than have them find that out on their own. Correct. Like showing, which would lead them to believe you're disclo- not disclosing information, A- I would assume.
2: Absolutely right. The best approach is always to be as open as possible, you know, and, and to talk about everything. Because what you don't want to happen is to think, okay, hey, I've got this great quote, you know, and you start working out your budget to start your business. And then your premium gets increased because they found this claim. And that often happens. Most insurance companies, and it depends on state, every state has different rules, but typically within the first 30 to 90 days, the insurance company can cancel your policy for any reason. So if they find out that you misrepresented your your account, they find out that you had a separate authority and you're trying to get a new authority, or you had multiple claims or DUIs or major moving violations that can severely hurt you. And they could cancel it without cause during that time frame. It depends on state. Every state's got a different limit. Um, But uh, we'll pull a driving record on you. And so we'll know, because if there is a ticket that's on there, we'll circle back around to you and say, hey, Chris, what was the scenario with this accident that showed up on your driving record? Um, When it comes to driving records, too, it's, it's pretty unique, because the type of record that we pull is for insurance purposes only. Now, I can send that to the insurance company. However, I cannot give that to you. And that always kind of comes up with clients, too. It's one of the DOT requirements for your driver file. You've got to have a recent MVR in your driver file. And so we'll get calls all the time. Hey, can you send me over my copy of my driving record or my driver's driving records? Unfortunately, due to the state statutes, we cannot. Um, And when disclosing that, we also have to be careful with what type of violations they are. Oftentimes, we have to say you meet the standard or you don't meet the standard. And if you have further questions or whatnot, um, then we'll tell you to go pull your own driving record, and, and you'll be able to see exactly what's on there. But if there was anything on there, I could discuss that with you and put that in my narrative for my underwriter working that quota. Again, I'm trying to beat them to the punch to answer every question that they may have before they even have it. Okay, good. Um, all right, uh, liability limit. So I see you applied for $1 million. And, and that's good because what a lot of guys don't realize is that many of the products that you could haul actually require $1 million. So with the FMCSA, $750 is the minimum. And a lot of reefer operations and drive-in operations only have $750,000, or they apply for $750,000. However, there are some random commodities that you may haul that require it's, it It's hazmat $1 million or less. So anything that has fluids like any type of oils or paints, sometimes Listerine, um, concentrated orange juice, that kicks you into that million dollar category. So we suggest everyone apply for that uh, million dollar auto liability limit.
1: And that, in really the cost difference between a $750,000
2: policy versus a million dollar policy is really not that big it is minimum it is minimum even when you have seven hundred fifty thousand posted on the fmcsa's website nine times out of ten that agent's going to write you a million dollar policy where you get caught up is that during your first 11 months you'll have a dot audit they'll come out and they'll ask you for a copy of your mcs 90 well the insurance companies will will the majority of the time only match what you've Required or what's required of you on the FMCSA's website. So if it's only seven fifty, even though you have a million dollar policy, that MCS ninety will only say seven hundred fifty thousand.
1: And that's you know that that kind of creates those issues where you're paying for something and you're really not getting the benefit from it. Absolutely, it's kind of funny. A a lot of the times we'll have clients come to us that applied for that seven hundred fifty thousand dollar policy, but then we have to go. They they want it bumped up to the million, and so. Um, with the FMCSA, so we'll actually have to go in and file some forms at the FMCSA
2: on their behalf to get them to bump that up. And it's really not as easy as a process as you'd think. It's a process. You're absolutely yeah. right, and it's one of those things that's it, it's it's pretty intense too. You know, you've got a DOT auditor at your home, you know, or in your office, and he wants a copy of your MCS ninety. You pull it out of your policy, you call your agent, they send it to you, and he says this isn't good enough. You need to have a million dollars listed on here. And you say, well, I do have a million dollars worth of coverage. Call your agent. Well, why can't you just <laughs> give it to him? <laughs> and it's not that easy. Yeah. Uh, and there's some legal reasons why the insurance carriers will only post what's required on the FMCSA's website, uh, but uh, just on a side note, always apply for a million, um, and then you'll never have that issue or never have that problem. Um,
1: yeah, so, some people may think that you're kind of, you know, you've got... a bias or having an ulterior motive because you're an insurance agent trying to sell something For sure. that you don't need. But I, you know, I'm not an insurance and and I'll tell you we run into this issue all the time. It's you know, it is better to have that million dollar policy versus the 750 in almost every situation that we run into, especially if you're going to use brokers. Like if you have a dedicated lane, you know who you're working on your way out and on your way back, and you don't use brokers at all, that may not be the situation. But if you're using brokers it, almost every circumstance I can think of you want that million dollar policy
2: you're absolutely right, you know um, and, and it kind of goes back to calling or talking to an agent that you've got a reference from because there's a lot of agents that'll upsell you on additional coverages or extra coverages that you really don't need and then there's coverages like this the The price difference from seven fifty to a million is significant. Most of these truckers are truckers because they want to go out and do what they want to do. They want to drive to new places. It's a different type of personality. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy this industry, um, because it, they're blue-collar, hardworking people, I mean, at the end of the day. And so the worst thing that I can do is write a policy for you that limits you on your, abil- uh, your ability to get loads. You know, and, and, and if you don't have the million, and that broker says, yeah, sorry, I'd give you the load, but you don't meet the insurance requirements, that, that's silly, um, so moving along, the next thing we'll ask is, uh, and it goes along with the type of cargo, um, what cargo limit do you need?
1: Um, you know, that's a good question. That that I'm not so sure. It seems like, if I remember right, a lot of guys got around 100,000. It seems to be the this, this starting point. What What would you recommend?
2: You're absolutely correct. So... Um, it depends on the type of commodities that you're hauling. If you're hauling auto uh, auto haulers, if you're an auto hauler, or if you're a flatbedder hauling machinery or heavy equipment or anything else like that, the majority of the truckers out there have a hundred thousand dollar limit. Even if you're only hauling like hay and aggregate products that that revolve like right around thirty five thousand, the brokers and shippers nine times out of ten will have a hundred thousand dollar minimum insurance requirement. And so a hundred thousand is the norm. Being a reefer hauler, some of the things you got to be watch for or whatnot is if some of that produce uh, will reach over 100000 you know, or if you're hauling seafood. And if you're hauling seafood, that'll also increase, you know, that premium or, or that limit as well,
1: too. And, and if you need to change it later on down the road, right, say you get one of those loads, it's a $200,000 load, and you've only got $100,000 in cargo insurance, is it easy to either get like a temporary bump in it or just if you decide, hey, I'm going to do this more often and want a permanent bump in it,
2: is that hard to do? So temporary bumps are more difficult and they're more expensive. And we'll get that all the time. Hey, I've got this hot load coming out of Texas going to Florida. I need to bump my limit up to 200,000 from 100,000. And there's quite a bit of information we've got to get in that. Um, and it is more expensive than is if you just start off with that higher limit. Now, let's say you've got... Of all the brokers that you work with, brokers and shippers, one of your shippers requires 150000 you know, and um, it's specific to their commodity. We can do what's called a dedicated shipper so that that shipper will carry that higher limit. Everyone else will carry 100000 So if you find yourself in that type of scenario, we can do a dedicated shipper endorsement, but we'll also uh, quote it just to see, hey, what would the premium be if we just upped everything to that limit? And depending on the carrier, they all have their own secret formula to, that generates that premium. Um, we'll see what works best for you. Okay, good. So uh, after we go from uh, your cargo limit, we'll go on to deductibles. Now, most deductibles in the trucking industry start at $1,000 deductibles. Um, they go up to $5,000, um, but on the cargo, most carriers will top you off at 2500 So what type of deductible do you want?
1: Is, is that something that's easy to quote both ways? Or in, in my, this is what I would recommend for, for everybody is if $1,000 isn't going to kill you, you should, or, or well, let me take a step back and maybe say, if I like to go with high deductibles, but if a $5,000 payment, like if I get an accident and have to shell out $5,000 deductible and that's going to financially ruin me, then you definitely should never go with a $5,000 deductible, right? So in in my situation, especially where, because I don't have a whole lot of experience and my quote's probably going to be, I'm guessing a little bit higher than maybe some other people, it it may be beneficial for me to go with a little bit higher deductible. And I've always kind of been pretty disciplined um, with my money. So a a $5,000 payment's not going to it's not going to hurt you. It's, it's not going to kill the business. It's not going to put me out of business.
2: So most shippers and brokers on the cargo deductible won't let, allow you to go over $2,500 because um, they're not doing a credit check. They're not doing that kind of stuff on you. So it's either 1000 or $2,500. Uh, and, and that line of thought is correct, too. You know, Most guys that have a, a minor claim or whatnot will just pay that claim them, themselves. You know, your insurance is there to pay claims that come up but um, if you've got a three thousand dollar claim, it is not uncommon for most truckers to pay that claim themselves, versus reporting it to the insurance carrier. Just for the simple fact, they don't want that on your record. The name of the game here is to keep as your record as clean as possible. We don't want to give the insurance companies any reason to increase your premium. They're going to do that every single year due to inflation um, and uh, loss. Loss severity and loss frequency, just in the overall market. So you don't want to give them any more ammunition, specifically to increase your premium. So, so could I do a twenty five hundred dollar d-
1: deductible on the cargo, and then five thousand on everything else, or should I just keep
2: everything at twenty five hundred? You absolutely can. Um, so uh, twenty five hundred on the cargo is not bad. Most reefer breakdown deductibles are twenty five hundred as well. So even if you said, hey, my cargo deductible is a thousand dollars your reefer deductible for reefer breakdown would be $2,500. So you could absolutely go, we'll, and we'll, we can quote it both ways. We can run the numbers both ways. But we'll put $2,500 for your cargo deductible. Now, your physical damage, it depends on who your lien holder is and if your equipment's paid off. Some banks will not allow you to go up to a $5,000 deductible. Um and so it gets a little tricky there. Now, if you own your unit outright, obviously you can do the deductible wherever you want. Um, but uh, it typically tops out at five grand. Um, but uh, I'm imagining most banks, well, I, I'm not imagining most banks top out at 2500. So in your case, we could probably just do it 2500 across the board unless once you get to that financing stage when you're buying your unit, we could change it. That would, that would be the time so to Let's, ask
1: let's them, do that. Let's quote everything at 2500 bucks. And um, we'll kind of see how things shake
2: out later on down the road. Now, now when it comes to deductibles, most carriers um, have a combined single deductible. So what happens, let's say you're involved in a claim, all right? And um, you had an animal strike. uh, And so you've just got front-end damage. Your physical damage has a deductible of $2,500. Let's say as you were slamming on the brakes, the load shifted as well. And so you also have a cargo claim as well. So you've got physical damage and cargo. Most of these carriers have a combined single deductible. So the most you'll pay on that claim is 2500 You have to be careful, though, because some of these companies have individual deductibles. So they could charge you $2,500 for the physical damage and $2,500 for the cargo. So when you're getting quotes, make sure this is a combined single deductible. Okay, good, um, good advice. Because those, those can add up really quick. I'll bet. Um, and then depending on the different state laws, uninsured, underinsured motorist, uh, it's a good idea to have regardless of what the limits your, your state has. Um, we'll quote those at, at 100000 Okay. Okay. And then uh, personal injury protection is mandatory in the state of Utah. So we'll quote that as well, too. That's on your, your personal auto policy as well, too. Now, do you know if you need general liability or not? I don't. Not that I know of. You know, maybe explain those situations where you would or may not need sure. it. Sure. And this is a very common question that's coming up more often than not. The majority of claims that you'll have liability wise is going to be under auto liability. Um, almost ninety nine percent of what you do. However, there are some shippers and carriers that are requiring general liability. That's a separate policy with a separate limit. It's typically a one million, two million aggregate. Um, and it honestly just depends. It's an inexpensive policy, typically anywhere from 400 to $600 per year. So it's not a bad coverage to have. However, if you don't need it, don't get it. So what What kind of, uh, do you have any idea how many brokers are going to require that or for what kind of loads they actually require that for? There's thousands. There's thousands out there. A lot of the auto haulers will require general liability Um some of the uh, heavy machinery or step-deck haulers will require general liability. But there's a handful of regular dry van or reefer um, shippers and brokers that will require general liability. Let, let's do this. Let's quote it. And uh, I, I've got a couple
1: you know, people that, uh, th- that I know and work with in the broker's world. And they, they'd probably have a better idea be able to give me a better recommendation for the type of stuff that I'm going to haul if that's something that I'll really need.
2: OK, absolutely. And that's something we can add at any time. So it's one of those things if once you get your authority going and you find, man, all these brokers are asking for general liability, you can give us a call add and we on. can add it on really quick. Okay. Um, all right. Then it's on to the driver information where we'll get your name, your date of birth, your driver's license number and state. And then it's always kind of like a sensitive topic, but we'll ask you for your social security number. Um, what most insurance companies do is what's called a soft credit hit meaning that it's not going to affect your credit score whatsoever. However, if they do get a positive hit, it can make a pretty significant difference on your insurance premiums. It's a super touchy subject. Some guys don't want to give that information at all. Some agents, because it's kind of uncomfortable, won't even ask that question. Um, It's not mandatory. You don't have to get it, Um, but uh, it does make a difference in your premiums. So let, let me ask you this. If you know you've got bad credit, do you just not give it? I would still give it um because it's not going to hurt you any worse. Uh, if if so whether, a no basically hit, yeah
1: so basically if you don't give it they're going to assume you've got really bad credit and they're correct. just going to give you that bad credit rating. You're exactly correct. So there's no yeah. downside risk you're going to you know if if you don't give it you're just going to get the worst correct. situation.
2: So you might as well at least give it, it and try. You may as well. Okay. And and it it has a different weight with different carriers you know every one of these carriers has their own secret sauce or secret recipe to generate a quote and they have they they put different weights on different topics some of them put more weight on your credit history and your age and your driver's experience than your operation what state you're going to or the type of equipment that you have they're all different not one of them is the same and you know the common question is okay well so what do you think my premium's going to be and in all honesty, we have no idea. We, we, yeah. I mean, if I had that crystal ball, I would be <laughs> a rich man. Um, but that being said, you know, the promise is, is, hey, we'll quote it with all the carriers that we have access to. And good or bad, high or low, we'll give you all the figures. Um, you know, that being said, um, your premiums can come in across the board. Um, it, it's important to be with a trucking specialist they traditionally will have more markets to quote you with. Um, everybody has one or two carriers, but those one or two carriers, their profile might not match up with yours. So uh, after we get uh, the your social security information, um, last we'll for years of experience, any speeding tickets or moving violations, um, and uh, and then we'll ask for your federal tax ID number. Um, if you don't have, if you're a sole proprietor and you don't have one, then we'll have to have your social. You've got your federal tax ID number. We'll take that as well, too. Some carriers actually will identify you as a client by your federal tax ID number versus your name. So it, it just depends. Okay. Um, in a nutshell, that is all we need to get your quote going. It's not a lot of information. Um, what we'll do then is pull your driving record, create the narrative, fill out an application, and we'll submit it to our multiple different carriers. And depending on how quick you want your quote, if you say, Matt... Like, I was ready to go last week. I need to get it right away. Um, The typical turnaround time is is about a day. Um, In some circumstances, we can get you a quote the same day. Uh, And obviously, throughout the process, it depends on where underwriters are with their workflow and how quick they can get you that quote. Um, The more patient you are, oftentimes, the better result you'll get. Because you don't want to take always the first quote that comes in the door. Um, unless your agent says, hey, look, I've got the five quotes back. This is the best quote. Uh, But you'll want to review each one of them. Okay. So um, just to kind of
1: hit on that point a little bit more, you're probably better, say say I just applied for my motor carrier authority today. Okay. So I just got my MC number. I just got my DOT number. I still have to go through that 21-day government vetting period. It's probably, you probably don't want to get your start quoting stuff that very same day, right? Because you want to make sure you're in the system. You want to give the insurance carriers system some time to, to download all your information. So maybe like a week after, so two weeks or so before your authority is going to get active. Is that enough time to kind of be able to be patient and wait for all those quotes
2: to come in so you know you're getting your best deal? Or It, it absolutely is. You know. And, and that's, that's one of the hard things, too, because you have to be patient. You don't want to. In addition, you're getting 35 to 40-plus phone calls from diff- different agents saying, hey, I can save you money. Let me quote your account. Um, but, uh, but in a lot of their rating tiers, if they can see your, uh, your DOT number online, um, you'll get, it'll generate a better quote. Versus if you just applied for it today and then called your agent the very next day or called an agent the day thereafter and said, hey, I need to get a quote. Um, there is something in the underwriting portion that does generate a better quote, so if you can don 't apply for the authority
1: the day you get your DOT, or don 't don 't apply for insurance the day you get your d o t number but don 't wait until the very the last day minute. before you want your authority to go after. that 's correct so try to try to give yourself you know wait a little bit of time and and try to give yourself at least a week or so before correct. you want your your insurance to bind right that
2: Good a good amount of time absolutely your your federal filings take twelve to twenty four hours to post anyways and so typically uh, and I think the government's wait time it's twenty one to twenty eight days is it's that correct 20, it's it's technically twenty one days and kind of depending on a few different factors,
1: it can take a little bit longer than that but if you've got your insurance filings posted typically a couple days before you hit that twenty one days and it's you know the, the twenty one days falls on a business day you you typically um, it'll activate on that 21 days. But it, you know there, there can be some other circumstances that can d- delay it a little bit longer than that.
2: Sure, sure. And, and what we suggest is to put your insurance in place at a minimum at least a week early because it takes 12 to 24 hours to post. Um, and then that way, if something happens with the filing, the government messes up, it's a holiday or anything else delayed, the worst thing you could do is you're waiting 21 to 28 days and then you're ready to go and now you can't because your federal filing's not posted so do it a couple days early um, and and have that posted so that when it goes through those final verification processes with the the feds that it just is streamlined through now that being said if you're buying a new truck you can absolutely put your policy into effect immediately or the next day or whatnot you don't have to have your authority ready to go after that 21 days. Because you might want to take it and take it to your mechanic and do some changes, add an AP unit at a different shop or sticker it up. So the truck and everything's covered. You just may not have, you just may not be able to operate interstate. You cannot haul for hire. That is correct. So you can still drive your truck around. And, Absolutely. As long as you've got that DOT number. That's correct. Okay. As long as you got that DOT number. Well, as long as you have insurance, you don't even have to have a DOT number per se because you're not hauling for hire at that point. At that point, you're, you're just, it's a, you just purchased this truck, you know, and you're running to maintenance or doing whatever you need to do, but you're not taking any loads. Anything else you can
1: think of that we need, we, we ought to talk about or cover when it comes to insurance?
2: You know, it, it's just understanding the market. You know, um, it's really difficult. Uh, everyone wants to take the cheapest rate out there. Um, and that's not always the best way to go. Uh, the name of the game is to get the best coverage with the lowest premium. And so if you ever have an agent that's just selling you on premium, 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 he's probably not the best agent. Or he probably doesn't have your best interest at heart. Because coverage absolutely matters. It doesn't matter if you have a, an amazing quote um, if the coverage isn't there. If you have a claim and your vehicle sitting in the shop for over 45 days and the adjuster hasn't even seen it. Because if those wheels aren't turning, your insurance payment, your truck payment, that doesn't stop. So you you definitely want to go with an A-rated carrier. Um, And insurance carriers have ratings. So it's from the AM best, and you don't want to accept anything lower than an A rating. It could be even an A-minus. That's absolutely fine. I think that's pretty much it. Good. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Matt. Uh, Good good info, and uh, hopefully this helps people out. Absolutely. Hey, thank you. Thanks. Awesome.
0: All right, so... If, frankly, you guys covered a lot of info and most of it was a little out of my reach, but it was good info. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about it. Hopefully, you know, hopefully people listening to this are less of a novice than I am. And, and this helps make it more understandable. I'm going to go back and listen to this a few times just so that I can get my feet a little bit better under me. Yeah.
1: So hopefully this kind of sheds some light on that whole insurance process and Gives people an idea of what they need to look for, um, you know, what kind of questions to ask when they talk to their insurance agents, so that they come to the table educated and can make the process a little bit easier and and know you know have a decent idea before they get into it if they're even going to be able to qualify and get it.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the process, uh, just like buying the truck, this is also something that with the creation of Holland Assets, the trucking company you're you're going through this right now, or you recently did,
1: yeah, i so I Matt got me a quote, and I um got the sticker shock of uh getting an insurance quote, <laughs> dare I ask, yeah, can you see my eyes are glazed over <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay what what was when we talked sticker shock, what was your number
1: about eighteen thousand dollars
0: oh my good Lord, I can't even handle that,
1: and my kids aren't even worth
0: that. <laughs> You know, I might might have to bleep that, Chris. (laughs) I might have to bleep that. Uh, That's fantastic. So the the sticker shock is one thing, but I imagine going through it with somebody like Matt, uh, you know. these, these guys are out there to try to make it as easy as possible. So yeah, hopefully gonna, it wasn't too difficult to process even if it was uh, eye-popping.
1: Absolutely. They're going to try and do, you know, good insurance agents going to try to get you the best quote they can. They they don't, they want to make you successful. They want to see you around and they don't want to overcharge you. But, you know, some people's situations because of, you know, driving record issues or just any any other thing, those, those insurance quotes can get even more outrageous than that. So, you know, We talked a little bit about the stumbling block nature of, of an insurance policy. So $18,000 is a lot of money, but you've got to come up with about 25% of that as a down payment right up front. And so we're talking about, in my situation, about $4,500 bucks. i am going to have to come up with as a down payment right to bind best. that insurance policy.
0: Well, I want to go back to something you actually just said, because uh, I, I want to believe the best of people, and I, I hope we all do. Uh, But ultimately, there are sometimes we've talked about this in previous episodes, where you do find those snakes in the grass, as you like to call them. Have you ever had an experience where you heard about or worked with an insurance broker who wasn't on the up and up? Is there any warning for people about something like that?
1: Matt talked a little bit about this in the interview, and it's a really good point. I haven't seen so much, uh, insurance is so highly regulated that I haven't seen so much people being really dishonest insur- in insurance. It, it does happen. There are cases of that, but usually what is more common is you go to an insurance agent that doesn't specialize in trucking and they don't really know what they're doing. They don't know how to post your insurance to the FMCSA. So the FMCSA recognize the policy and activate your authority, or they don't get you the right coverages. And there's a claim on cargo and you end up I'm um, not having insurance for that cargo and it just creates a whole mess of a problem. So it's usually not dishonesty, but ignorance or a lack of knowledge in trucking. Right. You got to find an insurance agent that specializes in trucking. That's my biggest word of advice.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Well, let's go ahead and and cut and run for today because we got some other stuff coming up that we want to get to. Uh, Chris, what's coming up next? What accounting. do we want to talk about? Another
1: fun topic, accounting.
0: Oh, Accounting. Wow. Okay. Well, you've really uh, you've sold me on that. I want (laughs) to. Well,
1: you know, it's part of the uh, whole changing (laughs) your mindset from a driver (sighs) to a business owner, and that's what you know. Accounting is a big piece of that. You know, you want to pay yourself in a way that's going to prevent you from paying any more taxes than you have to. You want to be able to understand what's happening in your business financially. And we're going to talk all about that kind of stuff. And and that's important. You got to know accounting. If you want to be successful in this, in in any kind of small business, you've got to know how to, at least the basics.
0: Yeah. We've talked in the past about a partnership having uh, complementary uh, capabilities. And so maybe one guy's the driver and the other guy handles all the accounting. But if you're going solo, you've got to at least have the basics under your belt, be able to do it, even if you don't love it.
1: Yeah. uh, What's the saying? A, A jack of all trades, master of none.
0: Hey, it, you! It's like you read my biography. <laughs> That's I.
1: I'm a, I'm a lot that way too. I'm. I'm good at a lot of things, but maybe not a uh, expert at any.
0: Well, let's call it there, Chris. I will see you on the next episode. Sounds
1: good.